Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are going to be in John chapter 4 today. That is John's record of the woman at the well. And what we're looking at is the method by which Jesus brought this woman to faith and how that you and I uh, can learn from this chapter when we're in the public square and there are situations and, and opportunities for us to witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to remind you that we're in John chapter 4 and John chapter 3, the previous chapter, was the witness of Jesus to Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus was the, one of the chief of the religious establishment in Jerusalem. And here we're talking about the woman at the well of Samaria. She, she was not a chief. Matter of fact, she was on the lower strata of society. But yet we find out that Jesus needed to go through Samaria. And I do believe that uh, the reason he did is he had this woman on his heart. And so that just tells me that there's nobody excluded from the gospel. The highest of the high as well as the lowest of the low still need to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is particularly important, especially when we're praying for our leaders. They must hear the gospel and they must repent if they're going to be born again and have a place by the Father's right hand in heavenly places. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, we bless you in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, that you're going to anoint us both in the speaking and in the hearing of the word of God for the anointing to come forth in Jesus name. And Lord, we want to be changed and we want to be like you. So help us to do that, Father, as we by faith receive the word of God, which is able to save our souls. And we'll give you thanks for that, Father. In Jesus name. Amen. All right, John chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and parted again and departed again into Galilee. Uh, Jesus at this time was not going to uh, be confronted by Herod. Uh, that will take place sometime later. And so Jesus uh, leaves Judea and he comes down to Galilee, which is the area in which uh, uh, most of his early ministry took place. But notice it says in verse four, and he must needs go through Samaria. And I think that's very important for us uh, to see and to know today. So the Lord, he had to pass through Samaria on a straight course from Judea to Galilee. Now, most uh, Jews, they would bypass Samaria. They would take a long way around. Uh, and they didn't like Samaritans and the Samaritans didn't like the Jews, but it didn't bother Jesus. Jesus, being led by the Spirit of God, takes a straight course from uh, Jerusalem to uh, the city of Samaria where he's going to stop. And it's called Sychar. Uh, and this is what John tells us in verse five. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied. Now, that's important. I, we want to look at that in just a moment. Being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. 
And there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. Notice verse 8, For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Now, <clears throat> why does it say that Jesus, being wearied from his journey, sat on the well uh, when his disciples were not? Well, the answer is they were both wearied, but the disciples went into town uh, to buy provisions for them to eat. And Jesus, knowing who was going to show up at the well, stayed right there. He sat on that well, and actually what he was doing, he was waiting for this woman to arrive. Praise God. Well, I mean, we have to understand this, that uh, all of the disciples, as well as Jesus, were wearied. And the reason is, it's a 30-mile uh, walk from Jerusalem to Sakar. It's a direct north route. And so in order for them to walk uh, this uh, distance and to get there by noon hour, that's really what the sixth hour means, to get there by noon. That, that means they had to leave around 4.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. And without stopping, uh, they arrived in this city in Samaria uh, by noon. So that's quite a walk. I don't know if you walk 30 miles or if you've ever done that, I remember doing that when I was a very, very young man, but I haven't done it. In a, I haven't done it since then. So uh, there, there's a reason why he was being worried. And there's also another reason that uh, I want us to see. But later in the program, uh, verse nine, then saith the woman of Samaria unto him. Remember now, Jesus has asked this woman to give her, him a drink. How is it that you, being a Jew, ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God. Now, see here, this is Jesus now has just baited the hook and he's thrown it out there. Amen. He wants her to take the bait. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, you would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then have you that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? See, this woman now, she doesn't know who uh, she's talking to, but she's going to find out directly. And Jesus answered and said to her, Whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into eternal life. Now, I want you to notice what Jesus has done. First, he set the bait. And then he wiggled the bait and he threw in there the idea of eternal life, living forever. And of course, uh, you know, this woman now she's interested. She wants to know about this living water. She wants to know what this thing is that gives eternal life. Amen. And the woman said to her, now here's here's the start. Now, here's the turn. Verse 15. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I thirst not neither come hither to draw. And so the woman, still on natural terms now, still on natural thinking, she wants this water because she wants relief. There's so many in the world that are caught up in sin. Sin is destroying their life. It has robbed them of almost anything. 
And so when they're presented with an opportunity to escape, uh, they want to know about it. Now, people who are satisfied with their sin and they want to send their day of grace away and and, you know, they claim I'm a sinner all the way. Uh, you're not going to be able to get these people. You're not going to be able to get to them. They're just like the parable that Jesus told of the of sower sowing the word, uh, the seed of the word of God fell by the wayside and the birds immediately came and and uh, and picked those seeds up and ate them, devoured them. Uh, there's many people in the world that have absolutely no compulsion, no compulsion and no conviction at all that they are sinners and have no intention of receiving Jesus as Savior. You, you know, these people, you just have to let go. Many of them are in our very own household. Well, just pray for them. Don't give up on them. Just keep praying for them. Praise God. Amen. And the Lord, uh, the, you know, their eyes will be open sooner or later. Amen. Praise God. And so there's so many people today. You know, all I need to do is just uh, is just uh, receive Jesus, just get Jesus and I'll get my ticket punched to heaven and then I'll be on my way. You see, like one fellow that uh, went witnessing with us years ago in, in the city of Jacksonville, downtown Jacksonville. Uh, you know, we we witnessed until lunchtime and stopped and ate a hamburger and you know, we were talking and this fellow, you know, uh, said that he had led nine people to the Lord that day. Well, we wanted to find out how he did it. Well, come to find out all he did is just say, all right, now what I want you to do is you just go ahead and say Jesus is Lord and you'll be saved. And that person, you know, those nine people said, well, Jesus is Lord. And this guy said, all right, well, then you're saved. Just go on your way. That's not how you get people born again. That is certainly how you deceive them into thinking they're born again. No, there's uh, the Bible tells us what we must do in order to be saved. And Jesus puts these principles into practice right here. All right. Now he's drawn this woman in and she wants the water. And notice what Jesus says now in verse 16. Then Jesus says to her, go call thy husband and come hither. Now, Jesus wants to give this woman the living water. But before he can do that. She's got to repent. And Jesus is identifying that very thing that is preventing her from receiving the living water. Amen. Praise God. So if we want to receive Christ and but we don't want to repent of sin. Well, then all we do is leave ourselves open to deception from the evil one. There may be people, a lot of people in the church that think they're going to heaven, but they've never asked Jesus Christ to come into their heart. They've never truly been born again. They've been raised in a Christian home. You know, I call them cultural Christians. This is all they've ever known, but they've never personally repented of sin and they never have personally asked Christ to come into their heart and life. I have found them that found them in my pastoral experience. Many, many are like that. Many in the church world today. Amen. That's why it's so important that we preach the gospel just like Jesus did to this woman at the well. Praise God. Verse 17, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said you have no husband for you have had five husbands and he whom you now have is not your husband. And that said you truly. See, Jesus just identified her sin. You can imagine what was running through the mind and the heart of this woman. And then she blurts out this statement in verse 19. Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Notice the transition from drawing water 
to recognizing Jesus as a prophet. At the very beginning, she had no idea and no compulsion to know who Jesus was. All he was was a Jew. That was it. Now she's calling him a prophet. Amen. There's a tremendous transition here. The woman's eyes are being opened to truths that she was not aware of before. See, this is what the gospel does. It opens the heart of individuals that have absolutely no compulsion and no idea, amen, where they're going to spend eternity. But yet the gospel provides that for them. This is the greatest need uh, for the church to reach the world today is to show people in what ways their life is wrong. But doing it in a, in a way of love. See, this woman could tell that uh, that Jesus loved her. I mean, she knew that. And uh, and how did she know it? She knew it because Jesus was reaping, reaching into her very heart. Amen. Hallelujah. And this woman said, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. And then she says this, our father's worship. Now, see, he's gotten her off the idea of just water to relieve her living water to relieve, you know, her chores to now she's on spiritual terms. She's starting to talk about things that are spiritual. And she goes on and she says, our fathers worshiped in this mountain. And you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour comes when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the father. See, he's transcending religion. You worship know not what we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour comes and now in now is when the true worshiper shall worship the father in spirit and in truth for the father seeks such to worship him. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, what did Jesus say in these passages of scripture? Well, he sets forth three types of people in the world. Those who don't worship, they don't worship a Gerizim. They don't worship at Jerusalem. They don't worship other gods. They don't worship Jehovah God. They don't care. Amen. They're not worshipers. They're not religious people. Amen. That's the first group. The second group are those who worship, but they worship in vain. And I'm thinking of liturgical worship without the spirit of God. People just going through the motions. Well, we just always done it this way, so we're not going to change. Amen. No, no. Those people worship in vain. Then there's the third group, and that's the true worshipers. Those who worship God in spirit and in truth. Those to whom the liturgy means something. It does something to their heart. Amen. It feeds them. It energizes them. Why? Because it's anointed by the spirit of God. They desire to know. They desire to draw closer to Jesus. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. There's a big difference. And people who come to church, people come to church to be seen of men and other people come to church because they want a habitation of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, I like what Jesus said here in verse 24. They that worship him must. I want you to notice that word must must worship him in spirit and in truth. And in these two chapters, chapters three and chapters four. Amen. Six times. Amen. The word must is used. Jesus said in John 3, 7, you must be born again. And then he said again in John 3, chapter 14, that the son of man must be lifted up. John said he must increase. Jesus must increase, but I must decrease. 
In John 4, 4, which we read, Jesus must needs go through Samaria. And then in this verse, verse 24, they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, the number six is the number of man. These are things we must do. Amen. Jesus had to go to the cross. He had to be hung on the cross. He had to be lifted up. And he did that because we must be born again. And that's the only way we can be is to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I tell you, the grace of must. Us doing. Jesus did what was necessary. Us doing what is necessary. And that is a valid point. Now, verse 25, the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. See how he's drawing this woman into his net. Praise God. He's got her in the boat now. He's got her in the boat. Notice what Jesus says in verse 26. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Now, this is a privilege. Jesus gave to this woman the privilege of him revealing to her who he is. He is the Messiah. Praise God. Now, verse 27. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people. Now, notice this. Come. See a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Now, when a person's heart has changed, they want to tell everybody. The Wednesday night that I got born again, that following Thursday morning, I showed up on the job and I I wanted to tell everybody what happened to me that night. Praise God that I got saved. Now, they weren't interested. Amen. They didn't want to hear what I had to say, but I was happy to tell them anyway. Praise God. Hallelujah. And that's exactly what this woman is doing. Now, she's excited. Something has happened. Something's changed on the inside of her. Verse 30. And she went. Now, I want you to notice this. The disciples went into the very town she ran into. And what did they bring back? We're going to see it in just a minute. They brought back food. They didn't bring back people. They didn't make any kind of herald or any kind of declaration. They just went and bought food and came back. Well, I think because a lot of them, they they had prejudice against the Samaritans. But now this woman, this one woman, she runs into town. She tells everybody in the town what she has found. And they all came out. Listen to this, verse 30. And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Jesus said, my food, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. That's the will of the father. That's the will of the father for us today. Amen is to do the work and the will of him who saved us and to finish his work. That's what we're here for. We're to finish the work of the Lord Jesus Christ before he comes again, to do everything that we can. Start in our own backyard and then just work our way to China. (laughs) Praise God. Hallelujah. Go as far as the Lord will allow us to go. Praise the Lord. 
Now, verse 35, Jesus said this. He said, do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. This is the thing that Jesus, the paramount thing that Jesus was always looking for. He was looking for doing the will of the Father, entering into the harvest and reaping a harvest for the glory of God. Amen. And that's that's the same view that you and I need to have. When we go into the world, it's for one purpose. Amen. We want to make a difference. We want to make a difference in our household and in our city and in our community and in the regions roundabout. And when we have opportunity to do that, let's seize that opportunity. Amen. Praise God. And then Jesus goes on and says, even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reached the ben- reaped the benefits of their labor. There are many that have gone on before us. They're the ones that have prepared the way for us. Amen. We must take advantage of that hard work that our forefathers have done to bring us to this place. Amen. To where the gospel now is free and the gospel can be preached to whosoever. Amen. Is willing to hear it. And then finishing out this chapter in many of the the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman. This woman is credited with getting a whole town get born again. (laughs) Praise God, which testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode there two days. The witness to one woman resulted in a two day revival. And everybody in that town received Christ and they come to know. Now, listen to this. And many more believed because of his own word and said to the woman, now we believe not because of your saying, for we have heard him ourselves. Her saying was to get them out to see Jesus, get them to that place where they can see Jesus. That's your job. And that's my job. Get them to see Jesus. Hallelujah. It's God's job to get them saved. It's our job to get them to Jesus. Praise the Lord. And said unto the woman, now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. What a testimony to the grace and to the mercy of God. Outstanding testimony by the Apostle John. So what do we have here? Well, we have five facts concerning the gospel witness. And we see it all in this chapter. First, there's the appeal of the gospel. The things that Jesus said to the woman got her to the place where she said, sir, give me this water. Amen. Praise God. When she said, sir, give me this water. You know what she was saying? Sir, give me what you have. Give me what you have. How many people have come up to us and said, Lord, sir, I I, I want what you have. I want Jesus. I want what you have. Well, let's show it to him. Let's show it. Let's show it to them by our life. Let's show it to them by our works, by our actions and by our words. Praise God. So there is the appeal of the gospel. Next, there's the confrontation of the gospel. When the woman said, sir, give me this water, Jesus said, go call your husband. And found and, you know, and and revealed to her that he knew exactly what her life was like, that she had had five husbands and the man that she was living with was not her husband. 
See, she confronted, I mean, Jesus confronted this woman with her sin. And that's what the gospel does. It always confronts the sinner with a sin. If you think you're going to get people born again without confronting their sin, amen, you're deceiving them. We are deceivers. Amen. God came to get people out of sin into life. Amen. The sin has to be dealt with. That's how you got saved. That's how I got saved. We had to repent. So there is a confrontation with the gospel. And then the third fact is the, is the revelation of the gospel. Notice that, you know, in verses 25 and 26, the woman said, when Messiah comes, Jesus said, I am he. There can be no revelation without first there being a confrontation. Amen. And that revelation is realizing the sinner realizing who Jesus is. That he's more than just a historical figure. He's the Lord Almighty. He's the one that's raised up, made to sit in heavenly places in Christ. And he's the one who is coming again. Realizing who Jesus is and what he'll do for that sinner. What he did for you. That's testimony. What has Jesus done for you? Well, tell others, praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. And then the fourth fact is the acknowledgement of the gospel. At first, the woman, she didn't want to acknowledge her sin. Sir, I have no husband. But after something changed in her heart, she was free to admit it. She ran into the town and she told people, listen, there's a man out here at Jacob's well that has told me everything, told me all about my life. I, could this be a prophet? Could this be the Christ? Could this be the Messiah? And got those people so stirred up, they all came out to Jacob's well to see this man called Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. There always is, amen, the acknowledgement of the gospel. If you can't get the people to acknowledge the gospel as the truth, they'll never get born again. And then fifth, the fifth fact is this. It's the confession of the gospel. Notice again, many believed on him for the saying of the woman. Testimony becomes powerful when it is touched by the fire of God. This woman was touched by the fire of God. And that fire, got, uh, that fire lit everyone in that town. They all came out. And when they came out and they saw Jesus and compelled Jesus to stay with them two days, the fire of God took over the entire city, entire town. They all turned to Jesus as the Messiah. Praise God. Hallelujah. And why is this? Well, it's because... God wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He doesn't desire anyone to die and go to hell. He gets no glory. He gets no joy over the death of the wicked. He gets no pleasure over their uh, eternal damnation. And he made a way. And that way is Jesus. Hallelujah. So in John chapter 3, Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus was in the upper crust of society, high society. You know, like our government officials that think they're somebody, that think they're untouchable. Well, let me tell you something. They need the gospel just like the gutter rat needs the gospel. This woman at the well, who was she? Well, she was the lowest part of society. Jesus offered to her eternal life. She's raised up now. She's seated at the right hand of God in, by, in Christ Jesus. She's walking the streets of glory, praise God. Hallelujah. Amen.
Nicodemus is too. They all wound up in the same place. They didn't die lost. We know exactly where they are. They're in heaven. Praise God. So God's excluded none. And he will save all who come unto God by him. In him, there is no other way. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. We thank you for the gospel today. Oh, how the gospel has changed us. Set us on a new, court, a new course, Lord. Hallelujah. That'll take us all the way to glory. And we desire everyone that we know, everyone that we come in contact with, everyone that walks, amen, in our city, in our community. We desire them all to know, Father God, if they only knew what God has in store for them. Father, help us to go tell them. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.